What's up everyone? This is Mayowa, your host, and you are listening to the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuffs online from the scratch, solving problems and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these amazing six-figure entrepreneurs to share their entrepreneurial journeys, the ideas, the opportunities, the strategy they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. And now, let's get the show started. Hi everyone, my name is Mayo Ajishafe and I'm your host on the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. That podcast where I always like to have amazing conversations with six and seven figures are entrepreneurs who have made it and who have built something awesome from the scratch at where they are now. So on this episode of this uh, podcast, I have Mike on the us seat and before we get started just like i always like to do i'll pass the mic to mike mike will tell us a bit about himself and a bit about him, uh his business then we get the show started hi mike hi uh how are you thank you for yeah, inviting me good. on your show yeah my pleasure yeah well, so take you... it away from me yeah thanks as you said i'm mike conrad i um i kind of have two lives uh, my 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 um professional career is I am the founder and CEO of Aqueous Technologies. We, no one, probably none of your listeners have heard of Aqueous Technologies. We are a very niche company. We're a manufacturer of equipment for the electronic assembly industry. So when you listen to your radio or drive your car or watch your television, we're in there somewhere. <laughs> we're part of that manufacturing uh, process. Um, I started my company uh, 31 years ago in 1992. That's one half of me. The other half of me is I, I create content. I'm a podcaster um, and lecturer, speaker, and author, and I write content. Generally, what most people would consider fairly boring content because I talk about reliability and it, within the electronics world. So um, that's uh, that's the geeky side of me. If the other one wasn't geeky enough, this is the other geeky side of me. Okay. All right. Mike, we are super excited to welcome you to this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And I believe for you, for myself, and for our audience, it will be a very lovely time. So to get the show running, Mike, uh, just give us a brief background uh, into how you got started into this entrepreneurship world and how your story has been from the scratch to where you are today. Uh, we love stories a lot because stories like this really uh, resonate well with our audience uh, for them to understand that uh, you can actually build something from the scratch and make something out of your life, passion or uh, whatever things that you want to do as a uh, as an entrepreneur. So take it away from me, Mike. Well, sure. I I am an entrepreneur, but I've never considered when I was younger ever being an entrepreneur. That was not anywhere in my sights. I, I had no goal to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't this kid, 10-year-old kid on a bicycle riding to work saying, one day I want to be an entrepreneur. I, I didn't even know what entrepreneur was. And um, so I, I Kind of in hindsight, I, I consider myself a reluctant entrepreneur. So my story was I, I got a job with a startup company in Southern California. Uh, and they were in the electronic manufacturing space. They built equipment to solder 
circuit boards, you know, components onto circuit boards. And I had never uh, worked for a startup before, and I was 24, all of 24 years old. And um, I had these delusions of grandeur, meaning I, I, I thought that you work for a startup, you, you get your stock options, you sell out a few years later for $100 billion, and then you drive your Ferrari or Lamborghini back home. And that's, your, that's, that's a startup journey. Um, not my startup journey, but that, that's in my head, that's what I thought it was like. Again, 24 years old. So I worked for them, and it became pretty apparent that the product they made, and I didn't know enough about that industry at that time to realize this, but the product they made was very rapidly becoming obsolete. And they were a new company, but the product that they were selling um, was probably within the next five or six years not going to be useful anymore because the technology in the electronic space moves very, very fast. And, and um, that would have made their, their product obsolete. So at the same time, as their product was becoming obsolete, my, in my startup dream, um, there was some government regulation. There was actually a treaty signed by a, a lot of countries, including the United States, where I live. And that treaty would have uh, eliminated um, a certain chemical that was used to clean circuit boards after they were soldered. Circuit boards are soldered, and then they're cleaned, and then they're put in a, a box, and, and and then they run operations. Um, and the industry was freaking out. There was going to be a 10-year phase out of these chemicals. And these chemicals were the primary method of using uh, of cleaning circuit assemblies, circuit boards. So I, I had an idea. And the idea was, let's create a machine. And I, I, I didn't create the technology. Some other company was already doing it, but they weren't doing it very well. And it's an alternative method, alternative method of cleaning boards. And I said, they're onto something. They're, they're just missing the mark. I think we could do this. We could do this way better. And I approached my boss and I said, this is, I think what we need to do, this is going to be huge opportunity. And of course the stuff we're building isn't going anywhere. Um, and he said, oh, no, I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't think it's good. I don't want to do it. And I couldn't get my head around that. So I, kept arguing with them back and forth. This is a huge opportunity and, and we need to address that. And he continued to, to deny that. So eventually I thought, okay, I'll sweeten the pot. Um, so I offered, it was somewhat of a shallow offer, but I, I didn't know how I had the resources to do it, but I said, I'll develop the machine on my time, my money, my effort, my energy. And if I am successful, I'll bring it to you and let's see if we can work something out. And he says, okay, just don't work on it during work time. I'm like, okay, fine, fair. So about six months later, I dragged this machine that I had built from the, you know, my, my garage basically and uh, took it to my work, showed it to my boss and he was quite impressed. And he says, does it work? I said, yeah, it works great. Well, we happen to have a, a trade show coming up in just a couple of weeks. I said, let's put it on the stand and let's put the company name on it and let's just see how it does. And he, we did. And we sold five of these machines right at, during the show. We didn't even have five. We only had one. And and we sold five, took orders for five. So he was impressed. 
but now I had a dilemma because I was building them at night, selling them by day, building them by night and weekends and selling them by day. And it turns out I'm a much better designer than I am a producer. So, so, uh, I built the machine with a childhood friend of mine. We, we kind of formed this alliance and, and we were building these machines at night during nights and weekends. And the company was selling them and they were selling a lot of them, but I couldn't do both. I had to make a decision. I, I couldn't run both sides of that production and sales. So again, not having any desire to run my own company or own my own company or be an entrepreneur. I said, look, I, it's, it cost me $30,000, which was all the money I had um, to develop the machine. Um, actually, it was $15,000. It's $15,000. That was all the money I had. And I said, why don't I sell it to you for my cost? I won't make a profit. Just sell it for my cost. And our factory can build it. Now, all of a sudden, we're busy again because this product is taking off. The other product was going down. And he jumped on that, paid me $15,000. He now owns the equipment. And and everything was great. And we were selling lots of machines. The company was making money again. And uh, everyone was happy. And I thought I was the king of the forest. I thought that, you know, I saved the company. This is, you know, 20, well, by the time, about 28, 29-year-old ego speaking. And, you know, I just thought that, you know, I was the savior of the company. And we had a product development meeting where we were discussing ideas for the next year or two, product ideas. And I thought they were going to carry me in on a chariot and fan me with grape leaves and feed me grapes and, you know, um, and... I would be the king of the meeting and I had uh, someone came up with an idea, which I thought was not a smart idea. Then I pitched my idea was, which was to make a more environmentally responsible, a greener version of what we had already built. And, um, uh, I full well expected everyone would say, yeah, Mike, great idea. Uh, but the owner, my boss said, no, no, no I don't think that's a good idea. And it shocked me. And so I debated with him over and over and over again. And, and he said, no, we're going to go with this other idea, which I didn't think was a good idea. And I looked at him and I said, I think you're making a mistake. And then he said one word to me that caused me to start my company. One word. The word started with F and it had four letters. And it's not the word you or your audience are thinking. When I said, I think you're making a mistake, he looked at me very dismissively and he goes, fine. I don't care what you think. Fine. And at that moment, I started my company in my head at that moment. And every spare bit of energy I had and every spare minute I had outside of work, I was working on my idea. And about six months later, I completed the, a prototype of it, enough to convince me that it was going to work. And I submitted my resignation. And I left the company and um, started my new company with my idea. And about uh, three months into, well, uh, let me back up a little bit. The problem I had was I had the idea. I had a working prototype, but I didn't have any money to actually start a company. 
So I went to a bank, applied for a business loan, and uh, they were kind enough to reject me, you know, uh, by mail rather than tell me to my face <laughs> that I I'm, I don't qualify for a business loan. Then I thought that bank was wrong, so I went to th- two or three other banks and you know, I got the same rejection letter. Or so we regret to inform you letter. Um, I charged up all of our family credit cards, drained our bank account, uh, and then eventually went to my father, who I believed was the, the cheapest man on the planet. He didn't spend a penny unless he absolutely had to. And I knew the answer would be no, but I would have kicked myself for at least not asking. And I, I asked, I presented a business plan, the same one the banks rejected. And he agreed to loan me money at, at 10% interest, which was good for him and good for me at the time. So I, I borrowed the money, started the company. And then three months after the company was started, and we were just, just in the early days of selling equipment. Um, my old boss sued me. And uh, all of that startup money, all of that startup money, every cent went to the lawsuit. Turns out lawyers are expensive. Lawsuits are expensive. And we found ourselves fighting the lawsuit, trying to build a, a new company which is hard enough. And, um, and the rest of my, the rest of my story is the journey in salvaging the company, um, fighting the lawsuit, finding the money, um, and how I had to adapt new skills from the skills that were, that were required to start the company versus the skills that are required to sustain a company. Completely different skill set. You can't sustain a company with the same skills you use to start it. it. They just stop working. They all have a shelf life. So I've I've talked for a long time. So I'll, I'll turn it back to you, and you can steer me in any direction you like. All right. Uh, it was a very... Uh... It looks so simple now the way you are talking about it, but I'm sure when it was all happening, then it's not really a a very interesting story like it was today. And uh, we all at that time when we uh, get started as an entrepreneur and uh, we all have our own fair share of uh, getting started from the scratch and building something up and uh, learning a lot of skills along the way. Just like you said, the skill we use uh, to build something is not the same uh, skill that we need to scale it up and to make it grow. So uh, you've just talked about your story from when you get started. So from that time, uh, till now, like uh, present day, uh, 2023, where exactly is your company now? What's the structure of your business and uh, revenue-wise, what's your figure uh, for last year? Um, well, because we're a private company, we don't discuss specifics on, on revenue. I can tell you we're, we're in, you know, well into the seven figures, um, um, several millions of dollars of, of uh, revenue every year. Um, and um, that that's an interesting 
question. Well, it brings up an interesting subject, I should say, because I, when I was in my younger days of running the company, we had lots of challenges, you know, the lawsuit, recessions, terrorist attacks, you know, all the things that, that the business gods throw at businesses just to keep you on your toes. Um, and I was convinced that no problem that, uh, let me put it this way. I was convinced that every problem could be solved by growth through growth. We have so many problems at one level. If we can just grow, those problems will go away. And what I didn't realize in that moment was two things. One, when you grow, the tide raises all boats. When you grow, your problems grow. Sometimes they grow exponentially. Um, and also, I didn't realize that growth is very, very expensive. Um, most young companies, although they're, you know, they grow, um, most young companies can't really afford the, the cost of scaling. And because you have to buy, you have to invest in more people. You have to invest in more um, infrastructure. You have to invest in more inventory. And there are stages of growth. There were times when we were a few million dollars in revenue. And we made a lot of money. And then we would get to $10 million in revenue. And we were making less money. And then we get to $15 million in revenue. And we're making a lot of money. It, it It's not linear, Right. Because you have to invest in the future. You have to invest in a larger facility and more overhead and more inventory and all of that. So I realized that growth is a seduction that many businesses can't afford. And you know, there was a time when we were chasing growth and chasing money because we didn't, we were always running out of money. And our goal was bring in orders, bring in money, grow the company. We brought in growth. We brought in money, but none of it was profitable. When that was our number one goal, when our goal was money and growth, we got money and growth, just not profit. So we changed our philosophy. We realized this is madness. I'm not a fast learner, but I do learn eventually. Give me the time. I have to hit my head against the wall a few times, and then I know that wall's there. So what I've learned kind of the hard way is your goal one's goal should not be to get money one goal should not be to grow money profit growth are a result of making good decisions the goal is to make good decisions the profit the cash the growth will follow so that changed my world in terms of business. And we need to set our goals on the right thing. A lot of people will say, I want to run a business. I want to, I want to be my own boss because then I can, I can write myself a paycheck and I can you know, take as much time off as I want and travel first class all over the world and whatever. And I just laugh at that because, yeah, you can, but you're not going to do it very long, Right. And I think our goals need to be in the right place. And we need to target 
target good decisions and then all those other things will will follow that it it's a guarantee and in the US the bureau of labor statistics the government agency that tracks these sorts of things uh states that 75% of all new businesses fail 75% only 25% of new businesses succeed those are horrible odds now is is business that dangerous is it that risky well yeah but it doesn't have to be i think 75% of all businesses fail because their leadership team their owner their founder the whatever the board of directors their leadership team sets their sights on the wrong thing and when you do that you you um miss other key factors i'm a pilot i haven't flown in a number of years but i'm a licensed pilot and when i was training to be a pilot my instructor drilled three things in, into my head a pilot always performs three tasks simultaneously um aviate navigate and communicate all the time in other words fly the plane know where you're going and talk to the control uh centers to you know make sure they know what you're doing and your intentions are so aviate navigate communicate and the same can be said for business you can't just concentrate on cash flow you can't just concentrate on growth you have to concentrate on the entire business simultaneously all the time you have to be omnipresent and you have to have a very um wide peripheral vision in terms of you know intelligence um business intelligence so i think that if 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 business owners if entrepreneurs start a company with those takeaways in mind that don't concentrate on one thing concentrate on making good decisions right at the time um then that 75% failure rate would drop very rapidly there are still things that peripheral uh, external things that can kill a business industry could change you know the the um supply chain could could kill you there's a many things that could kill a business that you could be a, the smartest business person in the world and still suffer a you know a failure um but i don't think those extraordinary reasons are the reasons most businesses fail most businesses fail because they focus on the wrong things and um at least in my case i i don't know how other businesses work i've talked to a, a lot of entrepreneurs and they all you know share a very similar story the ones that made it pretty much say the same story that i'm saying just in another context but um anyway that's that's been my my experience uh, that's what i've learned um i, I do a lot of uh, speaking on entrepreneurial you know i give a lot of speeches on entrepreneurial stuff and yeah. i tell people i'm i'm one of the few people that don't tell you what to do i'll tell you what not to do i'll tell you every mistake i've ever made and fortunately i made a few better ones than than bad ones so i still survived but um there's so, i think the 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 things i've learned are extremely counterintuitive 
You know, how do you sell your equipment? The best way you sell your equipment is stop talking about your equipment. Well, that's counterintuitive. I've learned that the word no is more profitable than the word yes. In many instances, we make more money saying no to something than we do saying yes to something. So it, it to, to learn this stuff, you need to let go of ego. I have an ego. Everyone has an ego. And thank God I did because that's what started my company. I thought I could beat those. Oh, I didn't know what the odds were of failure, you know, uh, uh, three to one. But um, but I, I even if I, someone told me that, that there was a, only a 25% chance of success, I would go, well, that's for suckers. I'm, I'm better than that. I would, my ego would have driven me and thank God I had the ego, but thank God I, I learned to, to put that ego in a dungeon and, and throw away the key, uh, because the same ego and bravado and arrogance and naivety and passion that started my company, those skills that started my company and thank God I had them, um, though they would have, would have ruined my company had I not exchanged them for higher level skills. Yeah, that's, that's a lovely one. And I must say, I love this uh, mindset of yours uh, about not focusing on growth and uh, scaling up because uh, come to think of it, most uh, new uh, ventures, business venture coming up today, uh, actually for the young folks, is all about, ah, we want to scale, we want growth hacking, we want to have uh, one million uh, customers, we want to make uh, this kind of money and uh, it's something that is so common today in the entrepreneurship world. But uh, with how you've talked about uh, making the right decision and uh, you are very uh, spot on and I could see it from my own business and even from my own personal life, uh, growth and even money and everything I wanted as uh, came from not focusing on getting those things, but on making those right decisions that at the end of the day, either now or later, will bring out those results. Uh, come to think of it, for example, like, uh, okay, I have, I once had a business and, uh, then just like you said, I love talking about myself. I love talking about, okay, this is what, uh, I can do for you, but it was just not working. And I got to a time when I realized that, uh, these people, I was working with authors back then and, uh, those people didn't really understand uh, the word I'm talking about because I'm talking from the point of I've done this and I've made it and this is uh, what is working. But I could see that they are not really connecting with me. But at the end of the day, I have to change uh, my strategy to coming down to their level, giving them value, teaching them, uh, documenting how I am uh, making money as an author, what I am learning. And it is that time when I stop talking about myself. I just keep talking about what I sh- what I am learning and how it can help my target audience. That is when uh, things started growing. Within three months, I've got uh, a lot of clients coming to me without even running any ads and everything. You know, it's uh, just for me to uh, confirm what you just said that. Uh, growth and scaling and every of those stuffs really comes from making good decisions, not really about focusing on the scaling up. Because when we focus so much on the scaling up, uh, that is when we tend to be arrogant, just like you said. That's when we always talk about, how can I get a lot from giving little? And things doesn't work that way. People, uh, cost- our customers are people and they, they, they really care about themselves. They didn't care about any, any business and, uh, 
making the right decision will help us to actually ask ourselves that what are we giving to the customer as value in return for whatever they are giving us and uh that is a very uh lovely one so mike from that uh story of how you got started and uh, the lesson that you have shared uh with us now let's talk about uh something else uh before we uh press the uh, recording button now uh, we talked about our uh, podcasting and that is one lovely uh, topic that i like to talk about because uh it is something i love so much and it is something i help businesses to do as well so uh you have a podcast can you uh give us a brief uh insight into how your podcast has been able to help your business to grow and uh, the kind of growth and the kind of opportunities that you have been, uh, you have been able to tap in in the world of podcasting as re- is related to your business growth and uh, getting client and customer uh, for your business. Sure. You know, it, it follows the same philosophy is of if you want to grow, you know, growth is a, a result of good decisions. The goal isn't growth. The goal is make good decisions. Same with cash flow, same with all that. And my goal in creating the podcasts was to provide value to our industry. I'm a huge believer in, you know, we're not just walking around the the um, ranch picking low-hanging fruit. If we're going to make money within our industry space, we need to serve that industry. We need to be good farmers. We need to cultivate the fields, fertilize the fields, etc. And not just take. So we need to provide value. And in our industry, probably this is a similar model in other industries, but in our industry, there's a gentrification going on. We call it the silver tsunami or, or the grain out of our industry. And um, our industry consists of a lot of electrical engineers, chemical engineers, uh, manufacturing engineers, uh, mechanical engineers, lots of engineers. And um, a lot of them are now retiring, and they are subject matter experts within their companies. And there was, up until recently, a gap. There were very few young people getting into our industry, and that was that was a, a, a strategic problem within our industry. Now think about it. Our industry makes everything you plug in or put a battery in. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much at this very moment. There's, there's probably 20 things that came out of our industry, right? You know, within, within a few meters of you right now. So, um, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a big industry, trillions of dollars. And, our industry is threatened when experienced, highly educated people are leaving and young people, newly educated, if educated, are coming in. It takes a long time. You know, it takes four years of college to get a, a bachelor's degree or, or six years for a master's or longer for a PhD. Um, but even with that investment in time, you can't just be dropped into our industry and be as productive as you need to be because there's things that universities don't teach, you know, that you only learn by being in our industry. So it's a big investment. And as the older um, subject matter experts within certain companies were leaving at a record rate, no one was replacing them with that same amount of knowledge. 
So I wanted to create this knowledge vault where we, I can bring in subject matter experts and interview them for an hour or sometimes more and try and record as much of their knowledge on reliability-related subjects as I possibly could. And my goal was, a few years ago, I'll, I'll do 10 episodes, and then I'll probably get bored and move on to something else. The, one of the frustrating things about working with an entrepreneur is we frustrate people because we like to start projects. We're not always interested in completing them. We're, we're very easily distracted with something new. So I figured, well, we'll, well, my goal will be 10. That was a high goal. Well, we have, um, I think we just recorded number one, 120 the other day. I think we have 118 or, or so that are published, I, I, somewhere in that, that range, um, with tens of thousands, uh, tens and tens of thousands of downloads. Um, so it turned out that the project stuck. I'm, I, I love doing it because it helps our industry gain access to technical knowledge that makes their companies better because it's based on reliability and every, every company benefits from reliability. And one of the greatest compliments I hear on a regular basis from my listeners and our, my viewers is they trust my show. And they, and what I mean is they trust it a couple of ways. They trust that the information coming out is, is, is uh, accurate. And of course it is because I'm speaking with people who only know accurate information and B it's not commercial. I don't, it's not sponsored by anybody. I, I've been asked if people can sponsor the show and I always say no, uh, not because I want to turn down the money, but because I don't want the show to have even a hint of commercialism that we're talking about something. It's not pay to play. Um, when I book guests on my show, people ask, you know, how much does it cost for me to be on your show? And I, that always shocks me, that question. I'm like, well, nothing. It, it costs you your knowledge. You need to share knowledge. That's the cost of entry. And, and because it's not commercial, my audience has learned that they're not going to be sold something. It's just best practice information. And now we have this vault on so many different subjects. Um, I think out of 120 or so shows I've done, I've only done one on the subject that I'm into, you know, which is you know, cleaning my, my company. So um, that kind of falls into the philosophy is of if you want to grow your company and become successful. Don't okay. talk about it. Talk about value, you know, provide value um, so that people get something out of what you're doing rather than just, you know, sales pitches. Yeah, I, it's, it's a lovely, uh, strategy. And I must commend you, Mike. Most people get into podcasting without actually having a plan. And, uh, the way you are added, the way you mapped, you already had, you, you have a very solid, uh, plan in place when, before you get started with your podcast. And I really love that. And, uh, the reason why I'm saying this is because this is actually my fourth podcast and the first three, I don't really have any plan. It was just, let us record and let's just talk about something I'm interested in and bring, uh, experts in. I don't really have a plan. I, uh, and it's, it, uh, I didn't make it to my, let's say, I, I, I don't think the, 
best one among those three was maybe one I made it with my 28 hour episode. And, uh, today I'm on like 60, 60 episode and I'm still getting going. And, uh, I, I plan to do this for years to come. And because it's really something I enjoy, uh, doing. So, uh, for listeners out there, if you have a podcast, uh, learn from Mike, have a solid plan and make sure that you know what you are doing before uh, and what your podcast will be doing for you before you enter into uh, the podcasting world. So Mike, let's have some few fire round questions. I will throw you some uh, thought-provoking questions, just short ones and you get back to me with answers. So should we fire on? Okay, ready, aim, fire. All right, cool. I will love book a lot on this uh, show uh, because I'm a book person and also a book coach as well. Uh, what is one book that you have read that had a lot of great impact in your personal and business life that you'd like to share with us? Uh, it was written by Jim Collins called Good to Great. Uh, Jim Collins studied pairs of similar publicly traded companies. So he uh, two companies that that built similar things in the same space. And, and he looked at several pairs of companies and he would look at all the companies that did very well and all the companies that did fairly poorly. And he determined what the common denominators, what did all the companies that did well within a space have in common with other companies that did well within their space? And what did the companies that did poorly have in common with other companies that did poorly within their space. And he found a, a very um, defined list of, of common traits. And one of them was you need to have the right people on your, he called it the right people on your bus, um, meaning the right team. And I expanded that um, when I applied that philosophy to my company, I expanded that to the people on the bus have to be the right employees, the right vendors, the right customers, et cetera. The other common denominator was um, don't do something because you can. Build a product, offer a service, whatever your your thing is, that you truly can claim is the best in class. Don't just be an also-ran. Don't just do something because you can or other people are and you want to just jump in on that. Um it's better to have fewer products that are the best in the world than to have a whole catalog of product catalog of products that are just mediocre. So those are the there were many other uh, parts of that book, but that, those are the two things that, that really stuck with me. All right, this is the first time that any of my guests will be recommending that book, and uh, I would love to uh, read the book. Maybe one. Uh, Maybe uh soon, maybe when I have some spare time, I believe it's a very uh great book to read. Uh okay, still talking about book, Mike. Uh have you written a book before? Yes, I have recently written a book. It's not published yet. I'm not sure when and if I'm gonna publish it. Um it's called at least the working title is called Shift S H I F T, like shifting the gears in a car. Uh and it was about my journey and how I had to shift my skills through various stages of, of business growth. Um, I wrote it for myself. I wrote it so that I could memorialize my entire journey. I realized that, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself old, but I'm certainly getting older every day. I'm 62, 
Um, and at the rate time moves, I think within, you know, within the next year, I'll be 82. You know, that's just how fast things go. So I wanted to memorialize and to put on record my experience in building this business and what I've learned and the mistakes I've made. Um, so I, I decided to write the book. Now, maybe someday I'll publish it. Um, but that wasn't my goal. My goal was to just put my thoughts down. And it was extremely cathartic, uh, cathartic, cathartic. Um, as I was writing, more memories were coming back to me that I had long forgotten, frankly. Uh, so, so it was a, a great experience. And so, yeah, that, to answer your question, yeah, I've written a book. It's just, it's not sure what I'm going to do with it at this point. Okay. All right. Uh, so what is one, uh, trait, habit or, uh, personality that you have that you believe has really contributed to you winning in life and in business? I'm a huge believer in whatever you do. In this case, my business. We need to be bigger than our business. We need a bigger goal than just our business. We need something larger than ourselves. And the way I apply that philosophy is we need to make the world a better place. Well, that's a grandiose goal. That's a huge goal. How do we make the world a better place? Um, our company needs to contribute to society, needs to contribute to the world and make it a better place. How do we do that? Our machines are so green. They're so environmental. Our tiny little company in Southern California saves 30 million gallons of water every year. If we didn't build what we were building, then our customer, the, the people who clean their boards would be using 30 million gallons more water than they do today every year. And that's just not water they have to buy. That's water that has to go down and be treated. Well, our machines are, are zero discharge. They, they are completely closed loop. Nothing's connected to a drain. And it turns out that saves a lot of water and it saves a lot of energy because that water has to go for waste treatment afterwards. And it makes, you know, it, it's, it could be nasty things that go down the drain. Um, and so our tiny little company, besides building equipment that makes our customers' products more reliable, um, we also save 30 million gallons of water every year. And we're just one small speck of a company in the greater, you know, in the greater scheme of things. So if every company could have within its mission something larger than itself, then companies that are much larger than mine, just think of the difference they can make in the world. And and I think that that I don't want to use the words like karma and all that, or I don't want to get spiritual because that's not my intent. I don't mean it in this in a spiritual kind of way, but I do think that helps shore up a guarantee that your company will be successful because your goal is bigger than you know. I, I talked earlier about if you want to if you want to grow, make good decisions. If you want your company to be successful. Do something good for the world. Have a reason for that company to exist beyond just selling boxes and getting paid. Something bigger than that. 
All right. Uh, okay. You've talked about one uh, lovely thing and one trait uh, that has really helped you to win in business. And we are all human. And even as a business, uh, for most people listening to this episode uh, who are entrepreneurs, I believe people have challenges in their uh, business. In your own business and uh, right now, let me uh, present the uh, 2023. What is one big challenge that you are facing in your uh, company or maybe in your business that uh, you like to talk about uh, and share with us how you are trying to deal with that uh, challenge? Because I want to make this uh, show very relatable for entrepreneurs out there. If you are talking about how you built something from the scratch, you surely will have one or two challenges at the moment. So I just wanted to make it relatable to people who will be listening to this uh, episode. Yeah, good question. Every, it seems like in business, probably in life too, but, but since we're talking about business, in business, uh, I think it's very much like a video game. You know, I'm not much of a gamer, but I remember as a younger person playing Atari and, you know, things like that. And, you know, you start off with so many lives and so many levels you have to go through. And after the first level, you've lost a couple lives. The second level is harder. The third level is harder. You have fewer lives, more, more things trying to kill you. And business is kind of that way. It, it seems like, you know, once you overcome one major hurdle, you're just waiting for the next one to come, whether that's a recession or a pandemic or, um, or tariffs, you know, political wars, things like that. Um, in the, at the moment, uh, well, it's starting to lighten up just a little bit, but at the moment, supply chain is an issue. Um, we've, you know, we've always run our company on a, on a just in time basis, meaning parts come in, you know, ideally two seconds before we need them, no sooner, because we don't want a whole lot of inventory sitting on our shelves because that just ties up cash flow. And, We'd rather the money be liquid in our bank account than sitting on a shelf waiting to be sold. Uh, so we we were pretty lean. We 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 can run a just in time um, environment. Well, the supply chain and shipping issues, uh, everything involved with supply chain that just stopped it uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, we had to go from a just in time method to a just in case method. So we instructed our buyers if. You know, normally we would buy things as we need them. Uh, so we'd buy five items of this a particular part. And we instructed our buyer, look, if, if you can find someone that has a year's worth, if, if they have 150 of these parts, buy them. And so now our shelves, we had to actually get more storage racking, more warehouse racking because our our shelves are overflowing. We have millions of dollars worth of inventory right now, where normally we have hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory. And fortunately, we had the, we were blessed. We had the cash to do it. But um, that that's a huge challenge of having to buy parts. And then if you can if you can score some parts, you buy way more than you need, which is risky because what if you know what if um, what if your design changes and then you're stuck with all these parts. So that's that's been a challenge, um, but fortunately, we were in a good position to um, react to that challenge. But not something I'm overly comfortable with. But it's getting better. The other um, pretty significant challenge is uh, labor. 
getting people to work. And um, it, it's not that there aren't people wanting to work. It's our hiring um, criteria is, is really high. It, it's, we have a high bar. And it's not just that one needs to be qualified. We'll actually take someone that's less qualified if they're the right person, if they can fit our business culture. And we can provide the training. But um, I found that that the reports I'm hearing from the people who who interview and hire our team is that there's there's it's it's much harder now to get people who really want to be part of something for any length of time. And I don't know. I don't know what the current generation's thinking. You know, you're getting old when you start complaining about the young generation. <laughs> because <laughs> that just shows you're old. So I, I admit to that. Um, but, but there is, I am seeing within some segments of, of our younger generations, I'm seeing more of a transient mentality of no commitments. Let's just, you know, I'll work until I don't feel like working anymore. Then I'll just go somewhere else. And it's so easy to get a job right now. You know, they, they're not, they're not seeing a risk in having too many jobs in too short a period of time. So that's, um, that's challenging getting the right people on our bus or getting the, as Jim Collins would say. Um, so between supply chain and human chain, uh, it, it's, it's a challenge at, at this present time. Okay. Uh, but there are far more opportunities. Those are small challenges compared to the opportunities within our industry. The opportunities are tremendous within our industry. The electronics industry is growing like crazy, and we've been very blessed within the electronics space. There's probably a few exceptions to this, but we really didn't suffer through the pandemic, you know, beyond having to wear stupid masks and, you know, having people work <laughs> from home and all that stuff. Um, but uh, the industry survive fairly well because electronics are booming right now with internet of things, otherwise known as IOT with the electrification of cars. Um, there's just so much going on in the electronics world at the moment that even a pandemic can't kill it. Okay. Uh, you are very, very right. And uh, that really gave me and our audience a lot of insight into your business and uh i must say thank you for being vulnerable because uh some people don't really are not really comfortable with mentioning the challenges they're having in their business and sometimes i still wonder why uh people would be willing to talk about their success and uh, their wins and they won't be able to talk about their challenges uh whereas uh Resources actually comes from having challenges, overcoming them, learning how to overcome them, and even teaching uh, the way you uh, the the way you used to overcome them to people, so that you can help other people who have been in your shoe as well. So, uh, before we leave, uh, Mike, what is one thing that you are working on right now that you are so excited about uh, in your business? Before I answer that, let me just make one comment about your challenge statement. Okay, sure. I would never want to be sued again. I don't ever want to go through a pandemic again. I don't ever want to go through recessions again. But I am so thankful we did. I'm thankful for those challenges because I learned from those challenges. If we didn't have a recession, if we didn't have a pandemic, if we didn't have a supply chain shortage, if we didn't have a, a labor shortage, we would not have learned how to cope with those types of things. If we can get through those things, we can get through anything. So 
I'm grateful for those things. Um, your next, sorry, your your uh, current something, question is something you are very excited about uh, currently in your business that you are working on, or maybe something you are setting up, or something that is really very exciting to you right now in your business that you are working on. Well, it it would be super technical. We're we're changing um, some of the platforms that we use to build our equipment um, from a control standpoint. Um, and I, I don't want to get too geeky because you'll lose half your audience if I start getting too geeky on you. Uh, but um, we've invested a lot of money, <laughs> an awful lot of money, um, an uncomfortable amount of money uh, into some research and development on some new control platforms uh, that give us some some really good capabilities within you know what our equipment does, uh, and and we're excited to release those. We've been uh, testing that technology uh, for oh, the last couple of years, and we're we're very excited about uh, what that's going to um, add in terms of providing value to our to our customers. Um, so that's exciting from a super technical geeky standpoint from a higher level standpoint um i'm excited how how the um podcast has taken off um i'm excited uh with the high caliber the high quality of guests that i have currently booked on the on the show um they're rock stars within our within our industry uh, for example a couple of years ago i i interviewed the inventor of the modern digital camera um you know obviously that's within our our space um and and talk to him about you know uh that invention and how that changed his life and and the challenges he had bringing that out to market you know when when the world was all film he was talking about taking pictures on a chip a computer chip and everyone thought why do we need that we have cameras we have film it's it's been around for a hundred years or more so that was interesting so i I'm, i'm excited about um podcast and its direction and its and its feedback you know we talked about you talked about podcasts earlier and i can hear the passion in your voice you know when you talk about podcasts one of the bits of advice i can give your audience when it comes to podcasting or business in general it's not unique to podcasting but it certainly applies to podcasting is starting a podcast or even starting a business is much like planting a tree you don't plant a tree on monday and go out tuesday with your measuring stick and see how much more it's grown it it doesn't seem to grow at all every time you look at it but when you look back over a little bit more time you can see it's grown and podcasting is exactly that way and i've had several friends who have started a podcast and gotten frustrated after six months and they and they, they leave it because they're just not getting viewers and the thing is just keep doing it do the best you can Make it the highest value of production you can and just keep doing it. Have a cadence. Just keep doing it. And and the same could be said for business or for pretty much anything. Um, just keep at it and refine it and learn and just keep making it better. Even if nobody's watching, even if nobody's listening, because eventually someone will stumble across it. And then all of a sudden, your numbers start to grow. It's like one day you walk outside and the tree is 10 feet tall. It, it just happens. And it happens when you're not watching. Um, if you keep watching that, if your goal is to grow it, you're not going to grow it. Your goal is to do it right 
make good decisions. And that, that has worked in the podcasting world for me. It's worked in the business world for me. It's worked in my personal life. Um, so anyway, little, yeah. little, little yes, advice I, I, I that love, I've learned. All right. I love your analogy of a tree and it's very true. If you plant a tree today, you can't even, it will even be frustrating to just keep watching the tree because it's those days will it seems like it's uh very very long whereas if you just ignore it and just keep watering the plant uh the tree it will just one day grow up and uh you'll be very excited especially something like a bamboo tree which i learned can take like six years before you can even see anything coming up uh so hmm. finally uh mike is there any question that you'd like me to ask you that i haven't Oh, goodness. Um, I can't know. You've asked some really good questions, some very insightful questions. Um, I can't think of any, any more. I think we've covered everything that, uh, that's in my head at the moment. Okay. That's, that's cool. So, uh, to say goodbye, can you just tell us where we can find the, uh, you online, where we can connect with you and also give us a link to your podcast for people out there who, who are in the same industry like yours, who would like to listen to your podcast episode. Sure. The easiest way to find me is Mike at MikeConrad.com. That's just Conrad with a K, K-O-N-R-A-D. Mike at MikeConrad.com. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, the uh, podcast is called Reliability Matters. And like your podcast, I'm sure it's available on all the usual podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and pretty much anywhere people find podcasts. You just type in the search box, Reliability Matters. And there's also a link to it on the uh, MikeConrad.com uh, website. Conrad with a K. You can find it there as well. All right. Uh, for the past uh, 50 or let's say 60 minutes so far, I have been having this lovely conversation with Mike Conrad. And Mike, I really have to say thank you for joining me on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. I really appreciate everything you have done so far and uh, for the wisdom you shared with us uh, on this episode. Thank you so much. We celebrate you. We salute you. And uh, for also keeping the entrepreneurial fire, but especially for being a very uh, good source of inspiration for the younger entrepreneurs, uh, which I must say, younger entrepreneurs today are not really as patient as your generation are. And that is one big problem that we have today. People just jumping from one business idea to another, but uh a word of wisdom from you today. I believe younger entrepreneurs listening to this will be able to tap into something awesome, which is stop focusing about growth, stop talking about scaling up, learn how to make better and good decisions for you, for your business, and even for your customers. So thank you so much, Mike, for that. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on your show. And, and I uh, enjoy the work you're doing, and I wish you a great deal of success as well. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. And listeners out there, this is where I have to say goodbye on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And I always like to leave you with this. Go out there, do what you are passionate uh, about, start that business, get that business idea up and running and 
keep following your dream because the world is out someone out there in the world is waiting for that special thing that only you have to bring to the world i'll see you on another episode of the six figure entrepreneur podcast and uh the discussion continue straight to the six figure entrepreneur.com for slash podcasts uh for the show notes to this episode just type mark uh mike conrad on that uh page and the show note for this episode will pop right up so until i bring another guest your way on another episode of this show my name is mayowa and uh i'll see you soon bye thanks for listening to this episode of the six figure entrepreneur podcast for more episodes and the show notes for this episode visit www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com and i would love for you to leave a review on itunes if this episode has been of value to you see you next time on another episode of the six figure entrepreneur podcast and on today keep building and keep the entrepreneurial fire burning